Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast that showcases fiber artists from around the world. You're listening to episode 31, and this week I spoke to Miley Grace. Miley is a person whose work I've been following in this world for a long time, something like three years actually. And she was one of those people I remember putting down as a stretch goal when I first conceptualized of making the podcast. Marley talks to me about how she uses knitting to process being sober, how she learned to quilt, how she identifies as an improvisational quilter, and how her dance practice and training informs her way of working and being in this world. We talk about the space and projects she ran in Grand Rapids, Have Company, and how she navigated and continues to navigate the complexities of growing a project and a business and hiring team members. Pro tip, hiring your friends feels good. We talk about the dynamics of sharing personal details on the internet versus IRL and the way in which this has led to friendships and opportunities for Marley. There's a whole lot of good Marley content that exists on the internet, and I'm really excited to get to share this chat with you that we had. Listen on for our whole chat. Thanks for tuning in. I'd like to take a moment to thank this week's episode sponsor, Sunflower Knit. Ash Alberg is a queer femme and fiber witch who seeks to create beautiful and practical designs using sustainable methods. Equally importantly, they seek to nurture the skills, knowledge, and creativity of fellow fiber witches to achieve their goals. Ash's second book of designs, in collaborations with Yoth Yarns and Samson Photography, will be published in September 2017 and will be available in hard copy and on Ravelry. Visit ashalberg, A-S-H-A-L-B-E-R-G dot com for information about booking in-person classes or to join the Creative Coven. Ash's online shawl design course. You can find Ash on Instagram and Facebook as at Sunflower Knit. Thanks again to Ash for sponsoring this episode of the Close Knit Podcast. Hey, it's Ani of Close Knit and I'm here with Marley Grace. Hi, Marley. Hi, Ani. How you going? Pretty good. Just drinking my tea, sitting in my attic. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I, um, I, I want to tell the listeners that this is, this is not the first time we're doing this. Uh, we recorded a podcast chat or we, okay, I should say we spoke to each other for the first time over Skype after a few years of internet friendship, yeah. uh, that I tried to turn into a podcast, but really just, uh, wanted to know everything about your life. So this is take two. <laughs> yes. Take two. Here we Which are. Just to say that even 30 episodes into a podcast, a podcaster recording another podcast presenter Sometimes take two is like a necessary thing. It's fitting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm going to do it properly this time. And I'm just really grateful that you're here. Thanks for, yeah, agreeing to record again with me. Yes, I just realized that I can hide the image of myself. Yes, I just did that too. It's great, isn't it? Now I just can see you. Yeah, it's nice. Then you don't have to be distracted. I like that too. It's good. It's good. All right, Marley, I'm just going to jump straight in then. Cool, let's go. Awesome. What's your fiber of choice, and what sort of craft medium do you gravitate towards the most? Ooh, my fiber of choice. Um, mm. I, I want to say knitting. Uh, I'll say knitting. That's yeah. my that's my kind of go-to. Um, I definitely identify as a quilter and a knitter, and in terms of quilting, I identify as an improvisational quilter. My teacher is Eliza Fernand, who's an incredible quilter and mur- muralist, ceramicist, all-around incredible artist. She lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I'm from. And Eliza taught a class at my old space in Michigan, which 
was called Have Company, which is the same name as my podcast. And she was the first resident I ever hosted in July of 2013. And she taught this class and it kind of just changed my life. I'm a, I'm a dancer. That's what I have the most. Um, that's what I have a college degree in. That's what I sort of continuously study, research, and teach. And I, I really wanted to find something that felt like more usable. I was like, no one can use these dances. Mm. And so I started making quilts and then started teaching class of my own and yeah but knitting has a little bit more of I started knitting when I was six um you know which was 23 years ago at this point which is kind of funny to think about um but I I got a kit from like a some store my mom brought me to and learned how to knit only knit rectangles until a couple years ago when I uh, met my friend Karen Templer, and Karen uh, has, she's the most famous knitter in the world. I'm just kidding. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't no, think she actually, actually is, but she's the coolest. She's the best. Um, yeah. Yeah. But she, um, she has a blog called Fringe Association, and yeah, she's sort of just like, she's just a, she's a no bullshit kind of lady, and she, I was just like, I only know how to knit rectangles, and she was just like, that's not true. And now you're going to knit a shawl. And then as soon as I figured out how to knit a shawl, you know, then socks and and uh, sweaters are birthed out of that. But yeah, I'm, re- I'm really grateful for her friendship and her sort of encouragement to me to just to to knit. And it's and, you know, knitting is how I quit smoking six years ago. It's how I continue to sort of process being sober and a person who suffers from anxiety and depression and yeah knitting uh you know knitting saves my life for sure so knitting's my fiber of choice nice I love that um did you find Karen was that like an Instagram thing where you like just on there and then you found I I actually that is actually not how I found Karen I found um my friend Courtney who owns a really cool store called Hey Rooster in Nashville And Courtney and I were like, we should make a shopkeeper's retreat where, like, we invite store owners to hang out. And so I invited my friend Rachel, who owns Otherwild in L.A. Um, She's the recreator of the Futures Female Mm, T-shirt. And then Courtney was like, oh, we should invite my friend Karen. She has this really incredible online store, which is Fringe Supply Company, which is, like, a spinoff of her blog. And so... That yeah, I actually found her through Courtney. They were just friends from both living in Nashville. So yeah, was that a did that physical shopkeepers retreat? Was that a physical thing that you all did? Yeah, did that happen. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, that was, can like, you tell me about this? Yeah, that was maybe fall of 2014. So it was the four of us, and then Whitney, who owns this incredible boutique in LA called Myrtle, and it was. Oh, and then Sharice, who uh, has a project called The Ratter, which is a blog and online store and she's also based in LA um it was it was awesome it was I feel like we all brought really different things to the table in terms of owning a small business um there's kind of a really specific way of running a business when it comes to having a store you're representing other artists you're Mm -hmm. balancing like a lot of different voices and yeah we just had a lot of fun we rented a house uh, in the Midwest and just hung out for a few days and have all just like continued to be friends and spitball with each other every once in a while. And 
it's cool because I definitely really value mentorship and learning from my peers and those relationships. I feel like I can really go to Karen or Rachel. I go to Rachel a, a ton still and we just always, it's just kind of nice because it's like you do want to keep some of your business secrets and practices like close, you know, they're like, mm. it's like you're, I'm good at certain things for a reason. I don't necessarily want to share all of that with everyone. So it just sort of was this really beautiful way to be friends with people because I felt like it was just really equal. Like we could really equally, I could ask the kind of questions I maybe felt guilty asking people before because mm. it was like, do they deserve like monetary compensation should this be a consulting thing and it was just it's just nice to sort of have those mutual friendships where you're just really helping each other be better at what you do mm, totally this is a thing that I am constantly confused about especially trying to work on a project that's like sort of nebulous and sort mm. of makes money but sort of that's not the point is this like talking to people in your day-to-day -day life and them not necessarily being in the same headspace as you. Mm. And like, do you, I guess like something I've been trying to put into practice in my life is like a bit of structure, but more than that, like accountability check-ins. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I keep like trying to find a person who's like going to be my mm -hmm. accountability check-in person. Like, do mm -hmm. you, I know you did that with the shopkeepers retreat, but mm -hmm. are you doing that now? Mm -hmm. Like afterwards? Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, I think I could always use more of it. I mean, it's nice to hear you bring it up because in this moment I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I need more of that. Um, but yeah. I'm I'm in the process of moving um, to West Marin. I'm going to leave Oakland in a few weeks. So, oh, yeah, that yeah, it feels really good. I got a sublet in Bellinas, which is this oh. little town on the ocean where the residents rip the signs down so you can't find it. <laughs> um, it's kind of a weird zone, but I... Yeah. I, there's a, I have a few friends there who, um, my friend Asia, who's a, an incredible dancer and craniosacral therapist, she lives in Point Reyes Station. Mm. We've sort of been doing something that I do with, uh, sometimes with Rebecca Arab, who makes the Moon Angels cards, and I try to do it with other friends where I, I jokingly call it alone time with others, but yes. I think other people just call it co-working. <laughs> um, but I like it because it's sort of like you can sit with someone alone for a long, because otherwise, like, I'll kind of never answer an email. I'll never really do the, like, admin tasks alone, and I don't really like working alone. I, I like mm. working with other people, but my work is solitary. So, yeah. or a lot of, a lot of it is, some of it's certainly collaborative, but so yeah, that's, that's a huge thing that I try to do mm. is set up structures like that. I also just, uh, made a really big step, which was hiring a, a business coach. I, coach is the wrong word. She's mm. not a coach. It's my friend, Sarah Schulweiss. I, She's like two episodes back on the Have Company podcast. <laughs> I, it's I hate to ever say any episode is better than another, but it's yeah. I I just highly recommend it to any any small business owner or creative to listen to her words. She's literally incredible, and I just um, I just signed a book deal, which I'm not necessarily interested in sharing the details, but um, no it's problem. it's it's exciting and. Yeah, I just sort of all of a sudden was like, okay, my career and my business is kind of launching into this other level 
and I'm actually not really doing a great job at balancing certain parts of the scheduling and whatnot. And Sarah is just, she's literally incredible at what she does. And so already the financial investment of bringing her on to my team of just people advocating for me has been beyond worth it. I mean, just mm -hmm. having somebody to check in with about my schedule and my tasks and where I'm at and my budget has already proven really, really helpful to me. So. Yeah. And it's really nice to hear you say that too, because I think that that's that scary thing of like the like fear and abundance thing of like, mm -hmm. okay, I don't really have the money to like pay this person mm -hmm. yet but I mm -hmm. guess if I do this then it maybe will put me in a place mm -hmm. too and you've yeah. done that in the past hey it with have company like with the space have company you've yeah you absolutely decisions yeah I you know I've never felt ready to pay anyone for anything and I think that's growing up in a you know in a lower middle class family I have parents who you know work really hard and still really struggle and you know, it's paying for things is terrifying. You know, I'm, I'm a punk kid who used to run, you know, I used to run an all ages music venue in Grand Rapids that was right across the street from Have Company. And, you know, things that things shouldn't cost more than $5 sort of lifestyle is, and, and just, so yeah, I mean, just stepping into a space where you pay for anything, let alone like a service or something to do with your business can feel really uncomfortable, but generally my barometer for figuring out when it's time to pay someone else is usually, um, how, like how uncomfortable am I feeling? And it's for better or worse, usually, you know, I'm, I have to be in a lot of pain, but, um, I, yeah, when I was, when I had my physical space, it was basically like, as soon as I would get so overwhelmed and start doing a task really badly, that was usually a sign it was time to hire someone else. And again, I rarely had the bank account wasn't like, yep, it's time to hire someone. It was like my energy field was like, it's time to hire someone. And so I generally would just do that. I would just be like, okay, here's the hours. And then as soon as I freed up that space for myself, I had so much time to create other content and work that, inevitably generated income mm. to pay the other person so you know I think that's a little bit of magic that's not like real business planning but again I have a dance degree and I'm a witch so I'm not like really trying to figure it out from a business planning perspective but yeah. <laughs> but it's worked so far I guess so yeah, yeah. totally yeah um oh fuck I just had a thing I wanted to ask about that and now it's out of my brain Bear with me for two seconds. It was there. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask <laughs> um, how, like, you know how you said I did the task, once I started doing the task badly, was that like something mm. you felt you could like self-reflect on and figure out yourself or was this feedback that you got or like both? Can you ask that one more time? Sorry, you broke up a little bit. Oh, no, that's okay. I, um, so I was wondering what you said a little bit, uh, a little bit back in that, that mm -hmm. you when you realized that you were no longer doing a task well, like the mm -hmm. task was being done poorly, mm -hmm. you then were like, okay, time to hire somebody. But mm -hmm. I was wondering whether that was like, 
a process of self-reflection or mm-hmm. feedback or whether it was mm-hmm. both. Like mm-hmm. obviously it probably varied depending on mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. I was just curious about that. Yeah, I think both. I think when people mm-hmm. were emailing me, where's my order? Oh, too many times in a row. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> uh, hmm, I don't know. Where is your order? And, you know, I'm still not perfect at that. And, but that was, um, I hired Nikki, uh, one of my best friends and I hired, uh, my friend Sarah Baker and they both were incredible shipping managers and they're just, you know, they're just, they just kill it. They do it fast. They do it well. They make packages look pretty. And Mm. so, so it was a bit of that, but I think it's mostly self-reflection I think again my podcast is a good example that um I wanted to make show notes I wanted Mm. to get my podcast up on time I wanted to add music and have like have an intro and I kept just not doing it and then I would just not upload episodes and then I find finally Eliza who I mentioned earlier she now you know I've my podcasts, the conversations are unedited, but she adds the intros now and the ending segment and the music. And then she listens back through the episode and writes the show notes. And before I had sponsors, you know, it was still coming out of my own pocket and it still just felt worth it because I didn't have to do it anymore. And it wasn't even Mm -hmm. that I didn't have to do it. I just wasn't doing it. And so and again, Eliza's good at it. It feels good to pay her. It feels good to have the episodes go up and have show notes and that's it. And so in general, it's, but I beat myself up. I'm like, why can't I just do it? It, ta- it would take me 10 minutes. I should yeah. just be able to do this. But, um, you know, but, but as soon as I forgive myself for that and, and not take it too deeply and just hand the task off, it feels much much better so yeah yeah that's uh (laughs) this is the thing about podcasting I think is the part that I the part the reason I got into doing it is because I fucking love having the conversations you know it's not that I'm an audio Mm -hmm. editor and I Mm -hmm. like so get off on Mm -hmm. editing audio (laughs) in fact I'm googling every single time I edit a new podcast where I'm like how does this thing work or like how do I like quiet this thing and right. it's something that I've like, yeah, I think about a lot is like, do I, mm-hmm. when, at what point would I feel comfortable to like outsource this or like how much of this do I outsource? And even mm-hmm. just the show notes writing, it's sort of like, mm-hmm. it feels important to me to listen back to it, to be able to then like put a title and like feel like I can meaningfully mm-hmm. write a little blurb about like, mm-hmm. this is what we talked about or whatever, but like mm-hmm. it wouldn't have like, yeah, Eliza does it and it sounds great. <laughs> Like I still yeah. listen to them and they sound great. And I love uh-huh. that there are show notes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I think there's something also about um, hiring your friends. Yeah. That seems like it a really big good. thing. Yeah. 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 How did that first look when you like hired Eliza? Was Eliza was like the first person you hired or you had shipping people before that? I think I had shipping people before that. Yeah. I think. Nikki was probably the first person I really hired who like really worked many hours a week for me. And, you know, we were in the same sort of community of women in Grand Rapids. We kind of shared like mentors of many generations and 
uh, I, I met Mickey because she moved in with Eliza from Boise, Idaho. Oh, cool. Um, so thank you, Eliza, again, for my friends. And, <laughs> and yeah, it was, you know, it took, it can be, hiring your friends can be hard, but it's, it can also be really rewarding. And um, for a while, Nikki and Arielle were kind of my two main people that I paid and they were also my two best friends at the same time. So I've been really lucky that um, I've been able to do that. And working with Eliza has been really easy, too. I think if you're a person who just takes can take feedback, mm. you don't really have to worry about it. Because Nikki and Eliza and Arielle and Sarah, who did my shipping, have all... There have always been moments where they've had to be like, Hey, dude, you're, like, not actually being a very good boss right now. Or, mm. you know, you're being too much of a friend. Or vice versa and I think the reason that I could hear that is because I'm just I'm interested in getting better all the time and so you know sometimes that was hard and I might have like been sad or felt guilty or like I messed up or something but in general uh yeah it feels great to give your friends jobs and I I mean in the same way that it felt incredible to get a book deal and immediately hire Sarah Schulweis, who has mm. been an incredibly generous friend to me with her resources, uh, you know, with no expectation of, of me ever hiring her per se. Mm. But then it just felt so good to be like, cool, now that I am experiencing more financial abundance than I have in the past, I can comfortably hire my friend and then I'm more abundant. And then, that just keeps spiraling yeah. for both of us and, you know, for other people. So it's, yeah. it's cool. And I try to remember that when I do feel the complicated feelings about making money and, mm. you know, about making more money than my parents do about making more money now than I ever did living in Michigan. And that's something it's, I was talking to my friend, Jordan, we went swimming recently and he was, I was saying, he the sentence that he said was it can really feel like a betrayal to the struggle to leave the struggle yeah and I was like damn that's really real when you grow up struggling and you're still struggling but how can I be generous with my funds and I started recently doing one-on-one -on -one consulting yeah. And that has been incredibly rewarding and, and just really fun. And I am just in, insanely inspired by all the people I get to talk to. Like, I, I feel like I'm getting a treat. But it's also really important to me. I offer two sessions every month that are pay what you can. And, you know, I don't need to do that. It's a my friend Jessica, who's an astrologer, she talks about how her rates are hella expensive and she's really unapologetic about it and she talks about you know it's a luxury service she doesn't mm. owe anyone you know a, mm. a deep discount on that and and I feel the same but um, I also get intuitive counseling from Dory Midnight who's an incredible psychic and intuitive counselor in Massachusetts and she you know also that's part of her practice so she has a sliding scale and most people pay on the, you know, more expensive end of that. And because she charges her full price and value, that gives her the space to then have a few pay what you can 
sessions a month and she can gift people sessions because she's getting compensated fairly from other sessions. So I've been learning a lot about that in teaching workshops and offering these one-on-one -on -one sessions is how do I charge money that feels good mm -hmm. and helps me feel healthy financially but then also creates the space for me to be generous to people who are s still struggling. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, this is a thing I think a lot about as well with the, especially the, um, with like teaching knitting workshops and stuff, how there is this total space of like real bougie, beautiful yarn kind of, you know, yeah. thing that you can totally tap into and is a valid thing, I think, to tap into. Like, people who just have a lot of money to throw at stuff. And I'm always trying, I'm always wondering about that, like, how you tap into that to facilitate the other stuff that mm -hmm. you want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And wondering how those two offerings are the same, ultimately, but how mm -hmm. they're different, too. Like, mm -hmm. how have you kind of, have? has there been a difference in how you structured your workshops and your consulting and stuff, depending on how you're off, like how you're pricing it. If that makes sense. So, say it again, maybe. Yeah, I guess like, cause I think there's two different things here, right? Like you're saying yeah, you've yeah. got, you've got consulting and like, you're going to bring right. Riley to that regardless of what right, you're right, charging. Right. Oh, sure. Sure. Right. But like, have there been yeah, other, right. um, like classes that you've taught and offerings that you've provided that because you're yeah. offering, like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, okay, I'm teaching you to knit. And, like, teaching you to knit is the same whether we're, like, doing – we're knitting with, like, acrylic and plastic yarn needles or we're, like, you know, it's the same. But the, the like, how you how you package it, what the thing is being offered, like, has that been a thing that you've thought about and implemented in workshops that you've ever taught? Yeah, well, it's interesting because, I mean – a few things are coming up. I'll see mm. how I can answer your question. Yeah. But I think one one thing that I joke about, but it's maybe not actually funny, or, you know, there's kind of three main workshops that I teach. I host How to Not Always Be Working, which yeah. is based off of my workbook. Yeah. I teach improvisational quilting, which is a crash course in making a blanket. And then I teach a variety of improvisational dance classes. Yeah. And I joke that they are the exact same class you're just doing something totally different in all of them, yeah. which is not entirely true. But it's like, it's me still. I'm the one, I'm there with you for a few hours. We're talking. Yeah. But in the dance world, I'm not going to charge $90 for a dance class. Mm -hmm. Like, you just can't because that's not how much dance classes cost. Yep. And I'm, and but an, a quilting class... I can charge $90 and sell it out in a day. Yeah. And people are like, that, tell me that's cheap. And I'm, and that makes me uncomfortable sometimes because, and again, dancing is the thing that I'm tens of thousand dollars in debt for a college degree. And that's yeah, what I have a qualified. diploma in. <laughs> yeah. Right. And yet yeah. I can charge $20 for it. And yeah. I learned to quilt in the back of my store that I made up and can charge $90 for it, apparently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and how to not always be working is 45. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and these, num those three numbers are kind of based on, you know, uh, industry standard sounds kind of weird, mm -hmm. but, you know, I just yeah. did research to see what comparable classes there were, but 
it, you know, and sometimes I do the math of like, okay, how much do I want to make an hour? But yeah. I, in some ways it's hard to do that because hmm. it's more about just how much will people pay? And again, same with my quilting classes. They're 90, but there's, um, yeah, every class is open to seven people and there's five paying spots and two are open to pay what you can or barter or trade. And so mm. I, I try to just keep that same thing available to, to that, but yeah, does that answer? Yeah, totally. No, I yeah, think yeah, that that's okay. a beautiful way of answering it because it was a poorly phrased yeah. question. Um, no, that's but good. that makes sense. And it makes sense to me too, that like, um, all of these different ways in which you teach are, they're just you kind of improvising and showing this yeah. process of improvising yes. and how yes. so much of your way of working and the way that you've been alive has been this sort of make, you know, try this thing and then do this other thing and then see what works and keep, keep iterating. Exactly. Correct. Which, which I feel like is the, I was speaking to my sister about this the other day and I was like, I just don't, I just feel like I'm always making it up. Like I don't ever know mm -hmm. what I'm doing. And she was like, I think mm -hmm. the great secret of adulthood is that Shh, nobody does. Right, 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 right. I, I like, love that. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, oh, that's what everybody's doing. Gotcha. Yeah. I was like, I thought I was like this unique little butterfly who was like, I'm just right, making it right. up as I go, guys. And right. I was like, no, right. fuck you, Ani. We're all doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're actually all doing that too. Yeah. We're all doing it. No, but I also, um, I remember like seeing early days when you were, mm. when you were still in Grand Rapids and you were, mm -hmm. um, doing classes and that you were like the phrasing that you used of like barter mm -hmm. trade payment plan, like, you know, get in touch mm -hmm. sort of thing. I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, is that okay? Can I just say it like that? Cause I kept wanting mm -hmm. to find ways to like mm -hmm. implement these sorts of things. Cause I was implementing mm -hmm. in, them in my regular life of like, I'll do a trade with Marley for this, like, like mm -hmm. I'll knit her this tank top and she'll send me mm -hmm. this wool that she traded with mm -hmm. somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Favorite trade by the way. <laughs> um, but just like it was already doing that on a personal basis, but didn't really think uh -huh. about the way that I could do that in, in like right. a teaching perspective or a workshop right. perspective. And I felt like that was, um, especially the like payment plan thing. I was like, Oh, mm -hmm. that yeah. you could do that. And that just, I don't know, something mm -hmm. about the way that like having you just say that, I guess mm -hmm. this is, this is a great segue <laughs> mm -hmm. into the way in which I feel like your existence as a person on the internet and mm. I guess on the internet, because that's how I know you, mm. um, has been like such a permission giving thing, like mm -hmm. finding mm -hmm. your work a few years ago and you just had written a post or something. The one that comes to mind is like, I think you were like, I wore this like lipstick today because like, holy fuck, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like a bad mm -hmm. businesswoman. This, what is, what is this? Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, feelings. It's like, okay yeah. to feel those. And like, <laughs> she looks like she's fucking killing it. And which is not to uh, say that you aren't fucking killing it. Right. But like, thank you. Also, yeah. <laughs> just want to acknowledge that. Um, but also that it was like, okay to share. Mm -hmm. Was did you feel like going into like the internet space? And I guess like really I'm talking about Instagram because that's like the mm -hmm. main mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like there was a point at which you were kind of like, and now I'm going to talk about the things or have you felt mm -hmm. like you just kind of mm -hmm. always did that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think I've just always did that. Yeah. I've, I've kind of, I mean, it's part of my personality to just share really openly 
my story and my life and what I'm going through. And it's been a good experiment in finding when to keep things private or vague and when to share. Uh, and for the most part, I, I think I have a pretty good sense of humor about you know, sort of the darkness that I can experience in my, in my life. And yeah, I, I was actually in a one-on-one -on -one consulting session today with someone and they asked about, they used the word branding. They asked like mm. my branding advice and I was like, what? <laughs> my what advice? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't, I've never been super considerate in terms of like, I've never really considered, mm. um, should I, I don't really think, like, is this, I've never this made a brand? post and thought, is this on brand? Is it okay mm. to share this? I don't really operate that way. I, I don't really get afraid to talk about it or mm. share things. It's just sort of, like, I don't feel like an oversharer. I don't, like, identify, like, oh, no, am I oversharing? Like, mm. I just am sharing. It's just my life. I'm just... You know, it, it is 2017, the internet is a thing, and yeah, I definitely, you know, my work as a writer and as an interviewer and as a dancer and a teacher and all the sort of things that I do comes with, yeah, it's a really personal experience for me, and so, yeah, I guess I don't mind sharing to the internet, it creates a little bit of discord sometimes when I meet people in real life and they maybe want to engage in a way that does feel a little more personal than I might be able to share, especially when I had my physical space in mm. Michigan and was, you know, public about, you know, going through a divorce from my partner at the time. You know, I remember someone like, I mean, a couple people, you know, would just ask about how my divorce was going. And, you know, I'm in my store. I can't leave. I can't mm. not, you know, and, and that was, um, that's like kind of an extreme example, but it was kind of that moment of what is like, if I'm going to share so publicly on the internet, what is my responsibility in terms of engaging in real life? And so I think in some ways, you know, I, my started, an internet presence because I had a store and then my life became, my work became more, more personal and less about the space. And so that kind of led to the death of the space in some ways, which, mm. you know, doesn't necessarily make me sad. I still definitely, you know, the space existed for many years while I still was sharing about my personal life, but yeah. in the way that certain physical spaces are less about maybe the person who's running them that that can can present a challenge and even still in my workshops or when I'm just working with people one-on-one -on -one, you know I, I do try to be really clear about my boundaries and I have you know I ran an artist residency in the back of have company in the back of my store and most of those people became my very dear friends mm. And so the lines of facilitator versus artist or whatever get blurred, and I don't mind that, but I'm just a little bit, I just try to take it a little slower than I used to because it's easy for me, you know, after a workshop, if everybody's like, let's hang out, or like, I want to pick your brain about this, or like, 
let's collaborate on this project. It's easy for me to get caught up in that and be like, yes, yes, okay, great. And then I have to kind of step back and and say, you know, maybe it's not actually healthy for me to take on, you know, these are uh, strangers. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I, and they're people I don't actually know, even though there is a perceived closeness. And a lot of times I'll meet people on the street. They'll stop me. They'll tell me they are really interested you know, they're really inspired by personal practice, my dance project, or they listen to my podcast Mm -hmm. and they often will apologize. And they're like, I'm sorry, this is so weird. I know so much about you. Mm -hmm. And I always am so quick to remind them that it's not weird. You know, I'm like, that's not weird. Like that's, that's my job. That's what a job that I fell into is sharing about my personal life. So I, tr- I try to also just ease people's minds when they feel weird. They're like, I feel like I know you. And I'm like, that's cool. You do in many yeah. ways know me, yeah. but you also don't know me because, you know, I share 15 seconds of a video or yeah. a still image of me at the ocean. You don't know what I did the rest of that day, you yeah. know? And so I, I try to, yeah, I'm still learning though. And but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um I do I do the same thing, try to ease people's minds about no, it's not weird. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I probably mm-hmm. said the same thing to you about like I know a mm-hmm. creepy amount about you, Marley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I was talking to a friend about this the other day because I was sort of um lamenting not having as much anonymity as I have in the past like I moved to Hobart because it was small and I liked that smallness I missed having some place where I recognized people like even you know Berkeley was 40,000 students on campus or whatever but you kind of got to a point where you you saw people that you knew and I really appreciate that like just even a moment of a smile or an eye contact or something that makes me feel held (laughs) and seen in that day when I was like you know going to university and feeling fucked about the world and so that was something in Sydney that I was like I can't do this I don't see anyone I know everybody looks grumpy and nobody makes eye contact and I'm really Mm -hmm. sad (laughs) yes and Mm -hmm. then I moved to Hobart and I was like oh my god everyone smiles and they say hi and like I have conversations in the grocery store and this is the most beautiful thing I've ever ever seen like I love this so much yeah. And then I'm not, you know, I'm not like an Instagram personality, but I live in a small enough place that there yeah. are enough people around who kind of are like, hi, are you close knit? And that's another yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. Are you, yeah. Are you your project? Um, yeah. And then just this weird, like, kind of, hi, and not really knowing, feeling this sense of obligation of like, oh, I mm-hmm. should really ask a lot of questions about you. You know a lot of things about mm-hmm. me. And then them feeling very mm-hmm. awkward about it. Or mm-hmm. I was saying to a friend the other day, I was just like, it's my own fucking fault. I put my own fucking right. face on the internet. Right. Like, right. Because right. every time I post a like knitting picture, it, it started as yeah. like, you know, knitting picture looks better on a body. So it was my body because yeah. I was knitting for myself. Right. There's my, right. there's my face. You right. Know? right. 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 <laughs> and then now it's like, here's my face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a little hand underneath yeah. the bottom. Yeah. But it just, um, I guess I, I wondered about that for you with like, cause Grand Rapids is not huge, mm-hmm. right? Like, how big, no. what a kind of population it's like a is medium. Yeah. Less than a million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a medium, yeah. medium, small size. Yeah. Size. Did yeah. you, what was that transition like from like Grand Rapids to like Bay Area? Is that, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there are many things to unpack from that, but I yeah. just am wondering yeah. about specifically the like people recognizing you, you navigating mm-hmm. IRL friendship mm-hmm. versus whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, in Michigan, I think, you know, so I, I grew up in Grand Rapids. I moved to Ann Arbor in 2006 and lived there till 2010 and then moved back to Grand Rapids. And so, you know, my, my life of being a, a person who was present on the internet didn't start until after being back for a, a little bit of time. And so I think in many ways, I just had a lot of deep friendships that already existed by the time I started Have Company. Mm. But moving here has been interesting only because, I mean, people people in Grand Rapids in some ways didn't really care about what I was doing. It, I, I mean, I love Grand Rapids very much, and a lot of people did care very deeply about my physical space. Yeah. But in terms of, like, some of my own writing and projects and way of teaching and my community, I mean, I started an artist residency because I was living in a town where I, like, wasn't surrounded by as many radical weirdos and queer people as I maybe wanted. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'll just bring them to me and they can live in the back of my store. Convenient. <laughs> yeah. And so when it was time for me to figure out a new place to move, I just sort of picked the place where I had the most friends mm-hmm. and moved here. But it's Oakland and San Francisco are big cities with a ton of people Mm -hmm. and I don't actually like that I uh, have a friend who owns a house in Bolinas and she invited me up there and I went and stayed with her and have been just spending a lot of time there and spending a lot of time by the ocean and then Asia invited me to teach at the Dance Palace and Point Reyes Station. And just being in these, like, literally one-street towns yep. has felt so incredible and so correct for my body and for my nervous system and for my pace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I will say, again, I love Dory so much. She makes a lot of really incredible medicine. And... She is an incredible counselor to me and she, you know, kind of, she, she made me actually a flower and gem essence that was about finding my own pace. And that was part of what kind of spurred me to make the decision to move. And so, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really glad I moved here. I, on our first round of our thing, I kind of said what I'm about to say again, which is funny, but you know, I have. I have a really special partner here in Oakland whose uh, name is Andrew. He's an incredible musician, and I'm I'm really inspired by him. And I think the thing I said last time was I don't mind mentioning him. We've been dating for, like, six months, but it's funny. I was like, even if we broke up tomorrow or in 20 years, I will be happy to, like, share that. um, He's important to me. And I think it's important just because, you know, I, I was married for, I was with my last you know, partner for five years. And my, my life was so based in Michigan, you know, our families were both in Michigan Mm -hmm. and it's, it's scary. You know, I'm I'm moving alone and and Andrew will stay here and it'll, I, but, and there's this socialized part of me that's like, we can't live, you know, we live in a house together now, have our special separate bedrooms, but it's (laughs) like, oh no, like, what are we, what will we do? We won't be five feet away from each other. And in many ways, we, like, actually do much better with an hour between us. Like, mm. 
it's maybe a little more non-traditional, but at the end of the day, like I, as an addict, as someone who can slip so quickly into codependency, it's good for me to be a little bit farther away. So, um, yeah, I, I miss Michigan in, in a million different ways, but I feel a lot more inspired here as an artist. I'm around more people making work that really affects me. And, but yeah, Oakland is a shaky, it's a, it's shaky ground. It's like actual shaky earth, you know, mm. it's, um, we're living on stolen land. I mean, anywhere in America, but, you know, specifically a lot of this space here is, and West Marin isn't necessarily different, but there's maybe, there's a, a different energy there that feels a little ghost-like, but a little bit mm. spiritual also, and I think it's just the pace that I'm interested, but yeah, I mean, I was like looking at this, I'm not, I will not rent this, but I was like looking at a storefront in Olima, which is this little town, like next to Point Ray Station, Yeah. and this, and, and I'm standing in the backyard, and this woman who, this random lady named Jane, who owns the store next door, yells down, are you the girl that dances on Instagram? <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, I don't necessarily get recognized more in a big place than a small place. I've been yeah. in like a coffee shop in the middle of nowhere in Connecticut, and a woman in line has stopped me and been like thank you so much personal practice changed my life and so it's um you know it's funny and it's cool and I I used to maybe feel weird about it but now it's just it's kind of like what you said it's like I I made this choice to put this Mm -hmm. thing on the internet and with personal practice it maybe feels a little bit weirder because with half company it's like yeah I'm it's my business like I put it on the internet because it's my business I want people to know about it yeah personal practice was an Instagram feed that I made for myself yeah, yeah. um with five followers and you know then you know 10 20,000 something people later and I still you know I follow zero people I'm not trying to interact I'm just trying to post dance videos there um yeah that was maybe a weirder experience because it wasn't my intent for it to become what it did but Mm. I think sometimes that's like why things become what they become when you're not trying to make them ah yes (laughs) this is kind of like my always experience is like I did a thing and I think that you've probably spoken about this and other people Mm -hmm. on on Have Company podcast have said like I did the thing because like I really needed the thing Mm -hmm. and then it resonated for Mm -hmm. other people which is the experience Mm -hmm. that I'm having with like workshop teaching I started Mm -hmm. teaching a longer term work workshop like a Mm -hmm. six-week sweater thing because I was like Mm -hmm. I want friendship and I want a place to come to every week that's warm that's like inviting where we're gonna have treats and like it's gonna be the Mm -hmm. same six people and I Mm -hmm. only have to interact with them and I I I want I was cold last winter like physically I was cold but I was emotionally Mm -hmm. very cold (laughs) like Uh I just was Uh sad and alone a lot and I and it just was like, this is what I'm going to do to facilitate that happening for myself. And we have had yeah. no trouble selling it out every time we've run it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, is this what I'm supposed to be doing this whole time? Right. Why was I ever putting on workshops that I just like thought I had to put on? <laughs> right. It's, right. It's a weird, like, I mean, it makes sense, but it's just that funny mm-hmm. feeling of like, mm-hmm. I think I remember you saying once in a podcast being like, anytime that I've ever been like, I'm going to sell this thing. I'm not that into it, but like, I'm going to sell it because the people will want it. Yep. You're like, then no one yeah. buys it. Nobody wants it. Yeah. Nobody cares. <laughs> There's some weird like magic woo woo behind that where people are just like, yeah, I can, yeah. I can feel this is not fully yeah. authentically you. Yeah. <laughs> and I know Marley yeah. because I've watched you dance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's really real. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, my two favorite examples of friends who are also former Hub Company residents mm. is Rachel from Serpent and Bow, mm. who made herself a Moon Faces suit and now has made hundreds of them for other people, but that was something she made for herself. And then Ashley from Secret Holiday and Company who made herself an It's Okay banner because she felt really sad. And then now, again, like just who the number of It's Okay banners that exist. Um, So I love that. I love that both of those businesses were birthed out of those two people who made something for themselves to heal themselves. And then they figured out how to make a bunch of them. other people yeah and everybody was like yeah we also need that thing it's an important thing yeah I want to ask about um like it's kind of along the lines of like people stopping you on the street and like the IRL versus internet Mm -hmm. interaction and the kind of Mm -hmm. um the sort of like labor that you end up doing um Mm -hmm. for people (laughs) or Mm -hmm. the pers the sort of expectation of you I wonder mm-hmm. about this because I know like you've made a um like a playlist on Spotify because everybody's mm-hmm. like what are you listening to OMG mm-hmm. Marley we love your music taste mm-hmm. but just like I don't know I would imagine that this happens to you from time to time people mm-hmm. are like hey Instagram message Ani like I, you do this thing and I was wondering if you could tell me more about that thing and like your mm-hmm. practice of that thing and I I sometimes leave those messages in there for like weeks because I'm like, mm-hmm. I know, I don't know. But also I'm like, I, I feel obligated to then like respond. And I don't, mm-hmm. I guess I just wonder, it's kind of like with you talking with your friends who like mm-hmm. now you're hiring mm-hmm. and like, you're gonna, mm-hmm. that's something that you can like pay her for. And that kind mm-hmm. of weird mm-hmm. boundary of like, when is this something that you should be paying me for? And when is this a thing where I can then talk to you? Is this something that you mm-hmm. come across with your like internet presence? And how have you navigated that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I, uh, I'm a really big fan of Lisa Compton, who's an incredible illustrator and human. Um, and I remember like many years ago reading some I I honestly cannot remember where it was, if it was in an interview or if she had just posted it, but it was something about like never email a person asking if you can pick their brain or, or something, something like that. And it was, it was much more eloquent than that. And she like kind of expanded on it, but I, I try and I feel like I probably in my life have done that to someone before in my maybe earlier days of owning a business. But I think Um, setting up the one-on-one consulting sessions was my fastest way of um, sort of fielding those questions. Mm -hmm. Like now when people are like, I'm really confused about how to do this thing. um, Generally what I do is I'm happy to point them to resources usually. And I'm either like, Hey, like I bet you are stuck. Like let's, set up a session. Mm. And then if they're intimidated by the price, you know, we can go from there, but it starts with me that just like, I don't even flinch. I'm not like, Hey, I actually don't give away. You know, I just, I'm just really clear. I'm just like, great. Like this is, this is, these are my offerings or I'll often people email me a lot about sobriety and about quitting drinking Mm. and addiction stuff. And, um, I generally respond to all of those messages. Um, 
I do agree that that is emotional labor, but mm-hmm. I am public about being a person in recovery. I just had six years without drinking last week, which was a special day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but that is, you know, the, that I have so many people in my life who have, who have done that emotional labor for me. And so mm-hmm. in that specific realm, I tried, I try to be present when people message me about it. However, I also have had to be clear on multiple occasions to suggest that people get professional help because I am not a therapist. I am not a recovery counselor. I am a person who, you know, has strung together a few 24 hours of not taking a drink, but, and I can share my experience. But again, I generally point people to my zines. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I can talk to you about this a little bit, but I'd like, I wrote a bunch of these, what I think are pretty good little resources that cost $2 or $3 or whatever. Or I'm like, if you can't afford them, tell me your mailing address, you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily that I want to get compensated, but it's monetarily, but it's just the fact Mm -hmm. that I've already actually done the work to provide Mm -hmm. the resource. So, um, I try to just, you know, or if people are like, oh, I want to, you know, knit my first sweater and I know you've knit a sweater, I'll like literally just send them to Karen's. I'm like, here's this link to Karen's blog. Like I, so a lot of times I will answer and I certainly let things go. I can't always answer, but yeah, I've tried to just set up a few systems and, you know, I point people to my podcast all the time. Like, I'm like, oh, you want to know more about this subject? Like so-and-so talks about this on episode 47 or whatever. Mm. So I, and I feel, and because I have a podcast, which is literally costs $0 to listen to, and there's like over 50 hours of it, I kind of don't feel like I owe anyone anything at this point. I'm like, there is such a an enormous amount of free Marley content between Instagram, my blog and my podcast that I'm like, yeah, here, like just go to have dash company.com and you can find probably a lot of the answers you're looking for. But again, like I, I love, I try to be generous yeah. and also maintain good boundaries at the same time. So there is also even more free Marley content. If you're really creepy and found your Tumblr. <laughs> oh my I'm not saying that I did that recently, but I definitely did that like a lot, like a year ago, probably. (laughs) Well, it's funny because, um, I, my Tumblr used to just be marleygrace.com and I recently wanted to remake marleygrace.com and I just went to type it in to see, I couldn't remember like if my, you know, URL still was up to date and it's not. And I tried to sign into Tumblr. That's so funny that you mentioned that because literally like two days ago, I was like, do I have a Tumblr still? Mm-hmm. And, um, oh my God, I have to, this is totally off topic, but yeah, I have to share know. something that's about like being inspired by other people. Yes. So, okay. And this is also the next person I'm going to interview on my podcast. Yes. But many years ago, I saw this documentary called Handmade Nation. And it's about, like, the rise of DIY craft in America. It's about, like, renegade craft fair and Mm. just, like, you know, when, like, Etsy first popped off. And this woman, Faith Levine, who's an an artist and a documenter, she made it. And then she made a book of the same name. And this, seeing this book and documentary, like, ten, less than ten years ago, but maybe eight or years ago or something, it it literally, like, single-handedly changed my life. Like, I, it's, it totally spurred me into like, I started organizing craft fairs in Grand Rapids. I, you know, opened a store. I, it just, it literally changed my life. Anyways, 
we met in real life the other day, me and Faith, and she's living a block from my house in Oakland. And we have just been like chilling and hanging out and hold on there. What were we talking about? Oh, but she, her website is just faithlevine.com and she has a blog. And I just, again, I'm always struggling with like, who is Marley? Who is half company? Who is personal practice? Mm -hmm. Where, where is my practice of writing separate than my practice of dancing and teaching? And, um, I was just reminded of the magic of having a website that is just your name and not like, and that, that then can be a hub for all of your projects. But that was why I thought of it as I just, I kind of like, I didn't like fangirl as much as I just very factually kind of looked at her. And cause she's been, she used to own a store in Milwaukee. Like we've been fan, we've been following each other on Instagram for a few years, mm. but I just kind of was straight up like, listen, you like, revolution like you like mm. catapult you like catapulted my life like your documentary and book made like kind of made me into the person I am today which is so crazy mm. and to and so beautiful that she's just like a peer you know and that we just have been hanging out and I'm super inspired by her and I cannot wait to interview her but that is what made me look at my tumbler that I couldn't find and I'm glad that you found it <laughs> Oh, I'm such a creep. <laughs> it's good. It's all good. <laughs> but I, yeah, that's that really interesting thing, hey, of the like, what is Marley? What is Have Company? And we talked about this the last time a little bit that we recorded of just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. not even introducing you as like Marley of Have mm-hmm. Company because what is that? What even is it? You know? And I guess at this right. point, what, okay, what is Have Company at this point for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Half Company is the name of my podcast, okay. and I think that that's what I... I mean, it's the name of my website, which mostly at this point hosts my podcast and a page to learn about having one-on-one consulting sessions. Yeah. And I, I... Yeah, I still... My ideas about it have definitely shifted after not having a physical space for it anymore, and I think I thought they wouldn't. Well, for a while, I kept the online store yeah. where I was still carrying other people's work, and I don't really do that anymore. I, I have a few... I, I mostly just have my own zines and prints on there. Yeah. And that feels good, but, yeah, I've kind of been in, you know, a little... Existential crisis is maybe dramatic, <laughs> but um, a little bit of, like, wanting a rename or something. Mm. And, but... um. But again, because it's the name of my podcast and that is such a hub for the work that I do, it's felt fine to just keep it and keep the name. And But I, I do try to, yeah, I feel like there's a few different people who have blogs or do work online that I like who have, I really like James, um, her blog is called Bluebird. Oh, yeah. And she yeah I mean like that's her blog is called bluebird she does a million things she like owns a store in Nashville now and mm. you know has a bunch of has a magazine has a bunch of different projects but you know her feed is still called that and that's what her blog is called and I so I think just having other examples of people who it's like it's okay if your name is <laughs> so but it can be weird it's it can be weird to yeah have my name so like deeply attached in some ways to um the different projects that I do, but it's also fine. Yeah. 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 I think that makes sense. And it's always going to be like this ever shifting thing. Yeah. You, when you moved to Oakland, like you had, um, 
you had like a bit of a physical space where you were selling, right? Fruit through your studio. Do you, mm -hmm. do you, are you in that studio? Um, I'm not, I, I, I kind of had like a few different little places okay. since I moved here. There's a really rad space in West Oakland called eighth and pine. And then I did a pop-up with shop for a month with my friend, Alyssa, who owns a store called foggy notion that's in San Francisco, oh. but she did a little thing in Oakland. Cool. And then, um, I had a space for a minute outside of my house with my friend Mira Blackman, who's a textile mm. artist and clothing maker. But I'm a freak. I have, like, no... My, like, ideal work environment changes every couple days. Um, <laughs> that's how my, like, living environment feels, too. Like, I'm mm -hmm. kind of stoked to just have this sublet this summer and then, like, be bouncing around. I'm going to go to Michigan for a few days. I'm going to go visit Liz um, from Sister Spinster in Mendocino. I'm just going to kind of, like roll around I'll be in Oakland still a few days a week since Andrew will be here but I yeah I'm like there's nothing makes sense like sometimes I want to work from home sometimes I want to work right now I'm sitting in my attic where I have a work my workspace set up and this has probably been the best feeling I've had in a long time like mm. it's really nice that it's just in my house but it's outside of my bedroom yeah okay. and it's other other people use the attic but not really so it's um yeah it's kind of been finally the like perfect balance mm. uh I mean the hardest part is it's nice for me to have a place to ship because even though I don't ship other people's things I just made a new zine um and I'm also about to <clears throat> ship like 500 something personal practice books oh, all over the world yeah whoa so, do you have the physical uh, copy yeah. of that now like, do you... uh, I don't yet Ooh. Richard and I are finishing laying it out like this week probably so oh I'm really God. Hoping like mid June, beginning of July. I'm so excited. It took me so much longer than I thought it would, which has taken like so much self forgiveness to finish mm. it. And now that it's finished mm. and we're laying it out, it feels really good. We are like deciding on a cover. It's wow. going to be like a nice pale beigey pink. So. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> if so. Marley were a color, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's really exciting to like have a physical thing. That's yeah. Like a physical, yeah. physical product. That's super mm -hmm. exciting. I think maybe that this podcast episode might come out or approximately around the time you're talking about that being really woo woo nice. for you there. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> um, awesome. Can I ask you? I know you said you're feeling inspired by the friend that you're going to interview, and I literally just forgot her name. Wait, what? Who? Sorry, you broke up. Oh, sorry, the internet. Hey, I know you were said that you're yeah. feeling inspired by the friend that you're going to interview, and I oh, forgot Faith. her name. Cool, Faith. Faith Levine. Um, who else are you feeling inspired by, or like, are you following along with that you're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, um, my musical kicks right now are... Ooh. The new Waxahachie album, which is not out. Well, it comes out July 14th, I think. That's my friend Katie, and mm. she's really good. Um, the I'm Solange is almost always on the on the turntable, mm. and um, Solange's sister, Beyonce. <laughs> I like to say that Beyonce is Solange's sister, yes. not that. 
Solange's Beyonce <laughs> sister. But um, it's a little old, but I, I rewatched Lemonade the other day. Mm. And um, yeah, what an, import- an important piece of art. And yeah, it was just good to like revisit that. And the new Feist is oh, so good. Why? I... I love Leslie Leslie Feist. She's an incredible song maker, and all of her albums are always good. But yeah, her new al- her new album is called Pleasure. Oh yeah, and uh, it's just <laughs> it's fucking really really good. So. Yeah, cool. Yes, Feist. Um, it's all music stuff though. That's boring. No, that's cool. You can think of other yeah, things okay. while you're thinking. Okay. I'm gonna tell you a little story, which is that okay. <laughs> um, Oh, like back when I was, when Solange's album came out, I was like listening to it like, yeah, like you say, mm-hmm. pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. And my sister sent me this email that just, the title was just Sister Goals. And it was mm-hmm. an interview where Beyonce was interviewing Solange. And it yeah. was like the fucking Sounds coolest correct. thing that I've ever read. I need to, I need to read it. Yeah. yeah, I'll see if I can dig it out. I'll send it to you. Maybe I can put it in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> Yeah. What else besides music? If if you thought of anything. Um, I'm definitely inspired by my um my, I mentioned her before, but my friend Asia who lives in mm. Point Ray Station, she has been organizing the Second Sunday movement series and it's just cool. It's just good to see people. I mean it's kind of reminds me of when I lived in Grand Rapids and wasn't seeing what I needed, so I just invented it and brought people to it. Mm. And I think that's the same thing. She's an incredible dancer and mover and just saw this kind of void but had this space. And so she's been organizing that. And Yeah, it's cool. I'm inspired by Alejandra, who I just interviewed for my podcast, who makes a lioness oracle tarot. We just... I just feel... I'm inspired by my boyfriend mm. um that's like hella cheesy but he just is so good at practicing he's so good at practicing his drums mm. and um again I'm so unattached to sharing the partnership part of my life I feel like sometimes I listen back to my podcast I'm like oh I had that girlfriend then I had that husband then I had that boyfriend then <laughs> it's like it feels a little bit of like a really deep history but um but I've just, yeah, it's been cool to to have a partner who's so dedicated to getting better at their art form. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, I mean, I feel like there's this sort of, um, in Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, she talks a lot about, you know, it is, if you are an artist, it is your it is your responsibility to pay homage to your higher power by practicing, Mm. by singing, by dancing, by doing your art. Like when you're not doing it because you feel bad for yourself or because you're hurting or you're in pain, it's like feel that, but you have to channel it into making something because it is your duty. Mm. It is your responsibility to your higher power, whatever the great spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, um, to, to, to do that. And so, yeah, I've just been super inspired and also like having to check in with myself because we're really different. I don't work the same way that he does. And he just pushes himself in ways that 
I don't want to actually, or I, or the way I push myself looks really different. Yeah. And I've always had to have, have that check in in relationships where I'm like, why does that, why can that person do so much more than me? And it's like, it's not really about that. Um, but yeah, I've just, it's been cool to date someone who's just really inspiring to me and, and vice versa. I feel like it's kind of a mutual inspiration. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just tender how it feels no I think that that's an interesting one though the like um seeing somebody and being like how do they do so many things yeah and you're like fuck and I was like, I was talking to my mom on the phone yesterday because I was like well because I like talking to my mother on the phone but <laughs> I hadn't called her in a couple of weeks and I had a google calendar reminder that was like call your mother you know <laughs> as you do nice <laughs> um that makes it sound so fucking clinical. No, it. Um, but I was just saying to her, like, sometimes I get so caught up in the watching other people do things very mm. efficiently and successfully that mm. fully forget all the things I do every single day. And mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the like, it's so easy to be like, this person is so effectively doing the thing, or they're doing one thing mm-hmm. and they're doing it super, super well. And when you're like a person mm-hmm. who's like, I mm-hmm. have a lot of things Mm -hmm. that I want Mm -hmm. to do and a lot of weird Mm -hmm. frenetic energy Mm -hmm. that I need to channel Mm -hmm. and like literally Mm -hmm. am dancing and singing as I walk down Mm -hmm. the street and like clicking Mm -hmm. my heels Mm -hmm. together because Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I can't stand still (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) relate to this Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but just like occasionally sometimes I like it I know people do it at like new year and they'll do it at like the end of the year to be like I did all these things and like I think business Mm -hmm. people sometimes do it at like quarterly they're like what what did we achieve in this quarter or whatever yeah just like yesterday I was just like reciting to my mother like this is all the shit that I've done recently yeah and I was like I think I need to celebrate that and she was like yeah Yeah. you're fucking super capable yeah 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 (laughs) and I was like you're my mom you have to say that and she was like Mm. Ani I wouldn't lie to you (laughs) she's like I don't have to say anything I genuinely think you're pretty good at stuff and I was like cool thanks but it's just like nice to have someone like I'm sure that for Andrew it's like hella nice to have you be like hey that's fucking cool how often you do that and I'm sure it's same the same way around for you yeah where it's like Marley's fucking owning shit and getting tons of cool stuff done yeah yeah I'm definitely I'm definitely much better I have this maybe this is actually weird to admit or it kind of sounds sad but I sometimes when I'm looking at um at the feed and scrolling the feed, mm. I say over and over, this person doesn't have their shit together. <laughs> like every time I see someone, you know, yeah. just like holding a baby lamb wearing a straw hat, like in a full outfit they've made, I'm like, they don't have their shit together. Like I just, you know <laughs> what I mean? Because I, because yeah. I know that people look at me and they, yeah. and they look at me and they're just like, she must really know what she's doing. Mm-hmm just that look at her go you know and it's like and in some ways I'm kind of like yeah fuck yeah I do know what I'm doing but um other in other ways I'm like no you know I don't or whatever I'm eating crackers for dinner tonight yeah um yeah totally I'm so yeah I'm addicted to celestial sours yeah no I think that that's a very real and important grounding part of it yeah yeah totally yeah yeah awesome thank you for chatting to me (laughs) thanks for yeah, of um, course thanks for letting me do a do-over I feel a lot better about this yeah yeah I'm better. glad that we also rewound yeah it was, it good. was good it was just so much uh, they were both good to talk about 
Yeah, thanks so much for being here, Miley. Thanks for having me. You've just listened to episode 31 of the Close Knit Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share us with your friends and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes to help us reach more people in the fiber arts community. Thanks so much for tuning in. Till next time.